Well, good morning, everybody. I hope you're doing well today. Sure is good to be with you on a Sunday morning when you could be doing any one of a number of different things. Uh, wherever you are, I appreciate the fact that you took the time this morning to dial in and to join with me uh, in this uh, short series that we have on Sunday mornings. Uh, this week, uh, we're going to continue on with our series called What's the Point? And the idea behind it is that, you know, if there's a way that we could understand what the main point of each one of the books of the Bible is, would that help us as we read it, you know, to understand to a deeper way, in a deeper way, you know, what it is that the author was trying to convey? You know, it's kind of like the cliff notes, you know, where we used, I know that's what it used to be when I was in high school and you know, if you if you didn't want to, if you didn't want to read a book, you know, you got the cliff notes and you read the short, you know, synopsis basically of it. And that's what this uh, series, What's the Point, is kind of all about, is what is the major focus of each one of those chapters in the Bible. Today we're going to talk about the book of Mark. And, you know, as you well know, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John are the four different Gospels that we read in the New Testament of the Bible. Matthew we talked about last week, and this week we're going to talk a little bit about Mark. Mark is uh, a synoptic Gospel. In other words, it is a kind of a summary of the life of Jesus. In the book of Mark, there is a lot of different scenarios. There's things he said uh, there's situations he was involved with. Uh, there's the reactions of other people that's recorded. A lot of different aspects of Jesus's life and ministry are described by Mark for us, as well as in the other Gospels, too. Now, keep in mind, you know, each writer has their own perspective, you know, and you can have a, a perspective that differs a little bit from someone else's perspective on the exact same event. And that's kind of the, the beauty of reading, you know, these four different Gospels, you know, one, two, three, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, is you, you get a nice taste for the variety of perceptions uh, that were taking place uh, in, during Jesus's ministry. Now, one of the things that I really like about Mark, excuse me, just a sec. <clears throat> one of the things I really like about Mark is Mark is very much an in-your-face kind of writer. I mean, he doesn't hold back. He says things the way they are. He lays it out there without worrying about being, uh, you know, politically correct or anything of that nature. There's only 16 short chapters in his book. And again, it is a, a no-holds-barred approach to what Jesus was doing during that time period that he was here conducting his ministry. Now, part of the major overall theme of the book of Mark is it's introducing what the new kingdom of God is going to take a look or what it's going to look like through the ministry and the resurrection and the sacrifice of Jesus. In other words, here's the Son of God, you know, this man that is here and he says, I'm from God and, you know, I'm here to live a, a life and introduce the kingdom of God to the world. Well, Mark really spends a lot of time talking about 
what that new ministry, what that new kingdom will look like. And as you can imagine, it, it was difficult for people to understand or to comprehend. The situation back then was one where the Jews had been, you know, really persecuted and, and, and they were for centuries. And if they're waiting for the promised Messiah, in the Old Testament scriptures, there was a Messiah that was promised. God said that one of these days he was going to send the Messiah to the world. And one of these days, the new kingdom of God would be set up and things would be all set right again. You know, people would be able to live in the presence of God. But these people, you know, at this point when Jesus was here on the earth, you know, they had been persecuted for centuries. They had been, you know, persecuted in Egypt, and now they're under Roman authority. And, you know, they were expecting a military leader to come in and overthrow the Roman government and then set up the new kingdom of God right then and there. But Jesus cuts these people to the core. In one of his discourses from Mark in chapter 10, it says this, For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. You know, you got to put yourself in, in the place where they were at during those days. This would have just blindsided them. You know, the religious leaders, the average Jew, the, the Romans, the, the, the Gentiles, you know, even the Samaritans and, and the disciples that were doing their best to follow Jesus, it would have caught all of these people off guard. You know, so here's a Messiah that comes into the world. They know there's something very unique about this person. And there's all kinds of stories and rumors, you know, spreading around out there. And then Jesus makes this announcement. Guys, I didn't come here to be served as your king. I came here to serve and to ransom many people for the coming kingdom of God. Now, I want you to put yourself in a, in a scenario, right? You're... On your way to a very important event, let's say it's a doctor's, you know, uh, you know, visit that you have to, you know, you're going to get some very important information from this doctor and you just cannot miss it. So you anticipate it, you look forward to it and you, you kind of plan things out and, and you're driving along and your car breaks down. Oh man, now what? So, you know, you call AAA and you're expecting, uh, you know, this tow truck to come and, you know, you want to go ahead and, and get your car right into the repair shop so that you can keep going, you know. And all of a sudden, not a tow truck, but a little Volkswagen Beetle, let's say, shows up. And you're like, what is that? What are you going to do with that? You see, that understanding that what I was expecting is not what I'm getting is the exact scenario that those people back in Jesus's day were dealing with. They expected and they had planned for and looked forward to this military Messiah to come and to help them to rid the world of what the Jews considered oppressive and evil and, and they were going to set up the coming kingdom. It was quite a huge letdown. And really, it was quite an apple for them to bite off of. I mean, I hate to use the analogy of an apple, but, 
you know, it was something that they had to rethink. You know, whoa, this is not what I expected. This is not what I thought the scriptures were pointing to. You know, the Old Testament scriptures. This is not what I've been learning in the synagogues. You know, that that all of a sudden this Messiah was coming to serve and then to give his life as a ransom. Man, I mean, it had to blow their mind. And the people quickly realized that they needed to address you know, what if I need to come to a new understanding of what God is doing here in the world? What if I have to come to a new understanding, you know, that to be redeemed or the, the ushering in of the kingdom is not going to be one of, you know, forcing people out and establishing a new kingdom of here? And, you know, what is, what is this stuff about ransoming Jesus's life? I mean, they had so much that they needed to unlearn. And then they had some other topics, other aspects that they needed to relearn. Like, what is the coming kingdom going to look like? They had to once again, in their lifetime, the Jews, they had to once again learn to trust God as God worked in very different and abstruse, abstruse ways. You know, all through their history, you can see where God did things that were totally unexpected. And we have the, we have the, you know, the, the joy of looking backward on things and understanding them, you know, from today. But back then, they didn't understand it. You know, they didn't understand, well, I don't get it. Why, what do you mean, redeem people? It's not of this world. You know, there's no military might here. What, what, what's the deal? There's another key verse from Mark that uh, really kind of sums up also one of the main aspects or main points of what this book is all about. And it comes from chapter 10 in the book of Mark. And Jesus, looking upon them, said, With men it is impossible, but not with God, for with God all things are possible. If you remember last week, we talked about the you know, the needle gate. We talked about the eye of the needle and how there was a, a metaphor Jesus used. He said, you know, it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than it is for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of heaven. Well, that blew their mind back then. But now G Mark is kind of reemphasizing that thing. You know, they're looking at it from, and they're looking at the kingdom of God. They're looking at the relationship with God. They're looking at everything from very human you know, aspects that they could understand and they could categorize. But now all of a sudden Jesus is telling them, uh, you got to look at things from a godly perspective. You know, you got to put aside your, your human sense of reasoning and understand that God does things in many different ways, ways that, that you will never even comprehend because nothing is impossible for God. So while we might look at it and understand that humanly, it's it's impossible for us to be, you know, redeemed and to be reinstituted in our relationship with God. But Jesus says, don't worry about it. Because if God does the work, if God's the one doing the redeeming, there's absolutely nothing impossible with him. So that's kind of what they were um the challenge that they had to to re-understand was what it meant to be redeemed and for the kingdom of God and where the kingdom of God would be. 
There's one other scripture that Mark talks about, and I want to bring this to your attention because, you know, you see this on billboards as you're driving around the country, and and it's one of those scriptures that can be highly misunderstood and highly abused. And it comes from Mark chapter 16, verse 16. And it says this. It says, whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, but whoever does not believe will be condemned. Now, if you just take that in a nutshell, just as it's there, just as it's stated, you kind of glean from it that all I got to do is just believe that Jesus is God's son. Jesus is the Christ. Okay, that's easy enough. But that's not really what it means. See, you, you know, you have to look at this particular verse in context. And let me read some more of Mark 16 for you uh, that this came from. And it says, Afterward, Jesus appeared in a different form to two of them while they were walking in the country. Now, this is after Jesus was crucified and after he resurrected. These returned and reported it to the rest, talking about the disciples, uh, but they did not believe him either. And later Jesus appeared to the eleven, talking about disciples, as they were eating. And Jesus rebuked them for their lack of faith and their stubborn refusal to believe those that had seen Jesus after he had risen. And he said to them, go into all the world and to preach the gospel to all creation. And whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, but whoever does not believe will be condemned. And these signs will accompany those who believe. In my name they will drive out demons. They will speak in new tongues. They will pick up snakes with their hands. And when they drink deadly poison, it will not hurt them at all. They will place their hands on the sick and people will get well. You see, in this particular context... Excuse me, to believe means that you have enough trust and faith in Jesus that you have omitted your will and are following God's will in your life. You've taken your sense of human understanding and human reasoning and set it aside because you believe in Jesus and you believe in God and you believe in his teachings and and all the things that he has said and taught us. You believe in all of that to the extent that your will now is secondary compared to God's will because you trust in him. You believe in him. That's what it means to actually believe. That's what Jesus is saying here. Those that have that type of belief, that type of faith and trust in God, you know, and follow God's calling in their life, those people will be saved. But for the people that don't, you know, you're just not there, well, you're not going to make it. And I want you to remember that, you know, even the demons, even those that are condemned to hell that we read about in the Bible, they believe that Jesus is the Christ. They believe in Jesus. So it's not just simply, I believe that he is who he is. It's much more than that. So this week, I want to ask you to kind of think about that, kind of walk through that in your own mind and heart and and, and spend some time in prayer with God, uh, asking God to reveal more and more of that understanding of what it means to be a true follower of Jesus Christ. Ask him. And I promise you, you will receive. Thanks, and God bless. Tough questions for God? 
is a teaching ministry of the Rosebush United Methodist Church, where we challenge our faith with some of the most difficult issues. Tough Questions for God is available on Facebook Live Sundays at 11.30 a.m. or go on our website at toughquestionsforgod.org and just follow the links on the homepage for YouTube or via podcast. Thanks for joining and don't forget to like and share. God bless.